Wow, that was amazing. You guys can sit down. <laughs> Love you too. Hey, good to see you guys. How's everybody doing? Well, hey, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to be reading from there here in a moment. But I have the opportunity to continue this series we've called The Fight. My name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm super excited to be talking to you today. We're hitting on different things that we need to contest for, contesting for what really matters in our life. And uh, last week we talked about unity, being a church of unity, contesting for unity. Today I get to talk to you about fighting for the lost. I want to talk about fighting for the lost. I don't know that this is a topic that I've really preached this specifically before, uh, mentioned it at times in messages, but I believe that God is going to speak to us and challenge us in a new way as to what our purpose is here on this earth. Uh, a few weeks back, I started thinking about my wife and I, and I don't know about you, where are my married people at in the room? Raise your hand if you're married. Okay, quite a few of you. Where are my single people at? Raise your hand. All right, look, wait, keep your hands up. Look around, this is your chance. I like to do this every once in a while, just survey the environment. Uh, yeah, okay, I'm trying to help you out. But... My wife and I, uh, a few weeks back, I was thinking about it. My, my wife always wants me to drive. So I don't know about you. I don't know if any of you guys in here or maybe ladies in here, your husbands make you drive. But my wife wants me to drive all the time. She's always like, Caleb, you need to drive. Um, can you, you know, I drive on long road trips. I drive around town. I just drive our family around. But one thing my wife always likes, also likes to do is while I drive everywhere and all the time, my wife also complains about my driving everywhere we go and all the time. Can, does anybody feel me? Come on, somebody. No? Okay, a few of you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so my wife also complains about my driving, and she'll admit this. She is a backseat driver, or I should say shotgun driver. She literally alerts me to every red light, every yellow light, every green light, every stop sign, every car next to me. Um, it's just running commentary. It's amazing. But I, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it in regards to this idea of fighting for the lost. Because one thing I've found in my life is that the people that I know that I have relationship that don't know Jesus, they'll be like, oh, that's your thing, man, or that's cool, like, just do your thing. And then the next day or the next week or the next month, they're wanting to debate me, right? They're wanting to, like, engage with me in conversation, like, all right, let's, let's talk about, like, why do you really believe that? And it really strikes me as funny because on one hand, it, it's hearing, uh, I don't care, do your thing, do whatever you want. And on the other hand, it's, wait, I want to talk to you about it. Tell me what you think. You know, let, let's talk about your faith. And they're trying to prove me wrong at times. And what I've recognized and realized is that people are searching for truth, aren't they? Like people are just desperate for searching for truth. And we live in a culture that tells you there's no absolute truth. Our culture would tell you today, like, there's no absolute truth. Do whatever makes you happy. Do whatever feels right to you. And yet the Bible tells us that we know someone who is the way and the truth and the life. And his name is Jesus. He's the only way to the Father. He's the only way to heaven. And so we have the truth. And yet it seems like today we aren't fighting for or contesting for, contending for, sharing that truth all the time. Here's what I've seen in the church. We're so concerned with staying safe in the church or 
blending in outside the church, we've stopped fighting for the people that desperately need the church. That's what I've seen. And both of these things are sin, in my opinion. You see, uh, staying safe or like, here's what we've done in the church. We put up our bubble. We put up our walls. We go, we don't want to be influenced. We don't want to be corrupted. We don't want to be led down the wrong path. And so we, we bubble ourselves off and we wall ourselves off and we go, us and no more, right? We got to protect ourselves. We got to protect our faith, protect our children. And I believe that's sin because we've been called to this world. And then at the same time, some of us are like, we just want to blend in. We're Christians, but we're Christians on the DL. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a Christian on the down low. Like, I know, but ain't nobody else know. And uh, I go to church, but I keep that between me and God. And I think that's wrong, too, because we're called to, to be a light in the darkness. We're called to be an influence in this world. And so most of us in the faith are doing one of these two things. We're either walling ourselves off, staying safe, or we're just trying to blend in and we've stopped fighting for the people that desperately need the church. And let me tell you, this world needs the church. And I'm not talking about Project Church. I'm not talking about the church as a denomination or as an organization because the church of Jesus Christ is people. The church of Jesus Christ is you and me. You are the church on Sundays, but you're also the church on Mondays at work. You're the church when you walk your kids in here on Sunday, but you're also the church when you're at home hanging around family and hanging around friends. We are the church everywhere we go. And we need to be a people that say, you know what, I'm going to fight for the people that need the church. They need the church to share the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's read Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. So this is the Great Commission is what we call it. This is a passage that was shared by Jesus. Jesus shared these words with his disciples right before he ascended into heaven. So Jesus has died. He's risen again three days later. And now he appears to several of the disciples. And this is the last commission or command he gives to them. He says, this is what I want you to do. So let's read it. Matthew 28, starting in verse number 18. Says this. And Jesus came and said to them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Can we pray? Jesus, thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to us through it. God, you would show us what it is you want us to see. God, you'd open up our ears to hear what you want us to hear and our hearts to receive what you want us to receive. God, give me the clarity to share what it is you want me to share. God, may we be expectant today. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So here's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about how to fight for the lost. We are to fight for the lost. I got three quick points for us today. Number one, walk in authority. Everybody say authority. Jesus says right here in verse 18, he says to them, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth 
has been given to me. All authority. And then he says, go therefore. Now, if you ever studied English or when I was in Bible college, we talked about it. Whenever you see a therefore, you have to figure out what the there is for, right? When there's a therefore, what's it there for? What's it there for? What's the reason behind it? Jesus gives us the reason. He says, all authority, heaven and earth, has been given to me. Go, therefore. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, I had all authority, and now I'm giving you all authority. He said, I had authority, all authority of heaven and earth. Now I'm imparting that to you, so go. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, walk in authority. You and I can walk in the authority of the power of God. Why? Jesus told us, he said, it's better that I'm going, because one that is coming is going to dwell within you. And he said, greater things you're going to do than even I've done in my name. Did you see that? That one day the church would do greater things than Jesus himself did? How many know Jesus did some great things? But we have the same authority in us. The same power that conquered death, hell, and the grave lives in us. Walk in that same authority. That's what Jesus was saying to us. You have an authority and you are to walk in it. I think for too long the church, man, we've been walking around with our heads held low, ashamed, timid, fearful, instead of recognizing and realize, realizing we have the authority and the power of God within us. We have to walk in a new sense, in a new way, in a new authority. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. That's what he's saying to us. How do we fight for the lost? Walk in authority. So what do we have? I believe we have some weapons. You see, walking in authority means God has given you some things. And I believe God has given us some weapons in order to fight. And some weapons in order to fight even with those who don't know God. And and to show them. Here's the great thing about our weapons. We don't have weapons of destruction We have weapons of healing. We don't have weapons that destroy. We have weapons that restore. We have weapons of restoration. We have weapons of healing. And Jesus has given us some weapons that we're to fight with. First, he's given us prayer. Everybody say prayer. Prayer. Man, prayer is our first and foremost weapon. That we would go to battle by praying. We, we would cry out to God. Jesus gave us direct access to the Father. You know you have direct access to the God of the universe. The God of the entire universe. Man, my kids love weapons. I don't know if you have any kids. My kids turn everything into a weapon. They turned our vacuum cleaner the other day into a weapon. It doesn't matter what it is. They'll find a way to turn it into a weapon. God has given us specific weapons that we can fight with. Prayer being the first and foremost weapon that we can go to God, he hears the cries of his people, and he responds to his people. We must be a people that pray. The last few Wednesday nights, and we're in 21 days of prayer right now as a church, last two Wednesday nights, we had prayer and worship nights, and our church went to battle. We were fighting through prayer. I'm so proud of our church. Tonight, we have another worship and prayer night. We'd love for you to come out, our West Sac campus, and battle with us in prayer and worship. God has given us weapons. The second weapon he's given us is scripture. Here it is, the word of God. This is a weapon. The Bible tells us it calls itself a double-edged sword that pierces the hearts of man. This is a double-edged lightsaber, y'all. Darth Maul stuff right here, okay? We have a double-edged sword that we can use as a weapon, the word of God. He's given us his very words. 
When I don't know what to say, I read his word and he gives me the words. When I don't know what to do, I read his word and he tells me where to go. When I don't know what what I'm supposed to do with my life, I follow the direction of this double-edged sword. This is a weapon that God has given us. A weapon of healing though, of restoration. Third, our third weapon is our story, your story. You know you have a story and your story matters. You see, people might discount the word of God. They might say, oh, it was written by man, not really God. People can even try to discount that Jesus ever walked on the earth physically. They're like, oh, I don't know if that was true. I think it was made up. They can discount whether he rose from the dead or not. You know what they can never discount is your story. They can never discount what God has done in your life. When you say, I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was desperate and hopeless, and now I have hope and I, and I have joy. I have a, a story, and God has done something in me. They can't discount what God has done in your life. Walk in the authority of that weapon, of your story. Some of you have a story like me, man. I was a wretched sinner of five years old. In my teacher's in my kindergarten class, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I've been serving him ever since. But guess what? That's not the end of my story. In my journey, I've seen God work miracles. I've seen God make, bring restoration around me. I've seen God restore me in relationships. I've seen God open eyes. I've seen God do amazing things, and that's all part of my story. Every one of you in this room has a story, and it's part of your weapon. It's one of your weapons. And I believe the last weapon we have one of the greatest weapons we have is his story. The greatest story ever told. That we have a savior that came down to this earth on a rescue mission. And he said, I'm going to leave the 99 for the one. I'm coming for each and every one of you individually. I will give my life so you can have life. I'll take your punishment and death so that you don't have to. God came and lived the perfect life because he knew we couldn't. He knew we would sin. That's the greatest story ever told. That Jesus came to seek and to save all who are lost. He came for all of humanity. The greatest story ever told is our weapon. I thought you guys would be more excited about the greatest story ever told. I don't know what's going on today. Y'all are a little sleepy. Gonna have to wake you up. So I need a volunteer. This might wake us up. I need a volunteer. Who, who wants to, I need a man. Okay, Dan, come on. Get up here. He, he raised his hand first. He's wearing his Hope Week shirt. Oh, here he goes. Uh, Dan, stop showing off, bro. He did raise his hand that he was single. I saw it. Dan, put on the gloves, my brother. All right, here's what we're going to do. So I'm not a boxer, but I want to illustrate this idea of weapons today. All right? I want to illustrate this idea that God has given us. Some, Dan, you're too ready, bro. Like, I don't know if I'm ready. Okay, come, come to the middle. So, Dan, you're right-handed? Are you right-handed or left-handed? Left, but I stand this way. You're left-handed, but your left is still your lead? So you still jab with your left. Okay. So your right is your strong hand. It's your cross. All right. So we have a jab. We have a cross. So Dan, I'm going to have you, I'm going to have you hit a cross. So your jab will come to this hand and your cross will come to this hand. All right. So just listen to me. So, so here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to illustrate this. I'm not a boxer. I've done this a couple times with my brother who's tried to help me out. Um, but, but Dan's ready. He, he, he looks really ready. Okay. And, And I'm, I'm a little scared myself. All right, Dan, so jab. Okay, good. So, so I'm going to come a little to him, um, but, but what we're doing here is this is like glove work, pad work. It helps us with our striking. It helps us with our power. So give me another jab. Okay, jab. 
Jab again. Okay, cross. Okay, Dan. That's close to my face. All right. Dan, do not hit me in the face. I, I felt like he wasn't looking at the pad. He was looking at my face right there. All right. Another cross. Okay, good. Another one. Okay, jab, cross. Good. Okay. So here's what I want to illustrate. Dan, you're too excited. Okay. Here's what I want to illustrate. I believe we have weapons. So I, I, I like to call the jab, that's prayer, right? Because this is how we keep people at bay. We're constantly jabbing, right? We're constantly jabbing. We're constantly jabbing. Look at Dan go. Uh, this is, this is the, the weapon we have, man. We have, we have prayer and we're just constantly throwing it. We're constantly jabbing. We're constantly impacting people, the people that are far from God, the people that are lost. What's going on around us with the jab? We're just, we're, we're throwing it. Then we have the cross, and I like to say, for me, this is scripture, because this is our powerful hand, right? This is, so we throw the jab, we're praying, and then we throw that scripture at them. We jab, cross, jab, cross. Now, we're going to get technical here, okay? We have some other weapons. So we have a hook. So we're going to say, that's your story, Dan. This is a knockout punch, all right? So you can throw a hook with either hand, but let's do right hook. Good. And then left hook. Good. Okay, right hook, left hook. All right, so this is his story. And then I love that my favorite knockout punch, though, is the uppercut, right? You ever seen somebody get knocked out with an uppercut? There's nothing better. Yeah, you can wind it up like Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, all right? And, 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 and we throw the uppercut, and man, this is his story. So give me a right uppercut. Okay, Dan, left uppercut. Oh, he switched feet on me. Right uppercut, good. So this is, this is the knockout punch, but let me tell you something. When we throw these things, when we're jabbing, we're praying, scripture, right? We, we got our story coming. We got God's story. How many know that sometimes we might get hit back? Sometimes we might get hit back. We got to keep our defense up. Come here, Dan. Come here. Give me your stance. Okay. We got to keep it. So jab, cross, all right? Okay, jab, cross. I got to remember what you are. Jab, cross. Uh, come on, Dan. Dan, you got to keep your defense up. Good thing Dan knows me or he might punch me back. All right. Jab, jab, cross, jab, cross. Keep that defense up. Jab, cross. Oh, there we go. Okay. Jab, cross. Jab, cross. Jab, cross. Oh, almost lost my pad. Give it up for Dan, everybody. Take him off. We'll just throw him over there. Thanks, Dan. So I want to illustrate this idea. You guys had some fun with that, didn't you? That, man, we can walk in authority because we have some weapons that God has given us. And these weapons are weapons that impact people's life. But at the same time, we have to be ready. We have to be ready for the attacks that are going to come against us, the attacks that are going to come back. Second, how do we fight for the loss is we go build relationships. Here's what it says. In verse 18, it says, go therefore and make disciples. You guys know what the word go in the Greek means? It means go. I just want to break that down for you. Go in the Greek means go. It means go. It means get out there. Build relationships. I know we got introverts in the place. Where are my introverts at? Raise your hand. You ain't really an introvert. You raised your hand. And, and I'm joking. And then we got extroverts in the house. I love our introverts because we say, the introverts, we say, hey, it's time to meet and greet somebody and you guys all run to the bathroom. Um, that's why we love you. But one thing about being an extrovert and introvert, so I'm, I'm an extrovert naturally, but let me tell you there's a, an issue with being an extrovert is that I have a lot of relationships, 
but it's a lot of surface relationships. I have a natural tendency to not want to go deep with anyone because I'm connecting and I don't have time to, to really hear about what's going on in your life. I just want to know like, hey, what's up? Oh, good to see you. Oh, yeah, we're good. It's, oh, man, you're so awesome. And then move on to the next person. Then there's a tendency for introverts that go, oh, well, building relationships, that's for the extroverts. So I just, it's just me and God and I just focus on that. And No, no, no. We're all called to build relationships and we're all called to build deep relationships. Every single one of us, whether an introvert or an extrovert. Jesus said, go. He wants every one of us to be fighting for those that are far from God. And we do that by building relationships with people that don't know Jesus. We build relationships Why? Because we love no strings attached. One thing I I think the church has got caught up in is we do things to see what we can get, not what we can give. We get caught up in in what we get out of it, what we benefit from. It's like, oh, we'll do an outreach as long as the news shows up and and they report about it. Or, Or we'll do this as long as we have more influence in the city. No, we love no strings attached. We love because God called us to love. We go and we build relationships, even with those that are going to give us nothing in return. I've said it before to you. Listen, if we're going to be a bridge to the broken, we have to be willing to be walked on at times. We have to be willing to be walked on. That, that doesn't feel good. That doesn't mean it's always comfortable for us or easy for us. But we build bridges because God has called us to be those that build bridges. Some of us, though, we're caught up. We're, we're afraid of being corrupted, so we create our bubble. Or we just want to blend in. We want to look like anyone, everyone else. We want to be a Christian on the down low. We want to be Christian when it's convenient for us. And I want to tell you, building relationships means that you will have to step out of your bubble, step out of your comfort zone. It also means that when the rubber meets the road, you're, ha- you're going to have to make a stand. I believe this. I believe there will be a time that comes when you will be rejected. We have to be prepared to be rejected when we build relationships with those that don't know God. Jesus said this, and this isn't a verse we love to preach in the church, but I want to share it today. In John 15, verse 18, it says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Man, we don't preach that a lot. Y'all ain't really encouraged after hearing that word. What is Jesus? These are Jesus' words, by the way. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, if you're going to be different than the world, there will be times when you're rejected by the world. If you're going to be different than what this world says, you sh- how you should live and act and be, then there will be times you'll be rejected by this world and how it says you should live, act, and be. I still remember I was 18 years old, and uh, I had just graduated from high school. My dad got me a job in a warehouse in West Sacramento. I was working in this warehouse where they stored boat parts. And so we had boat parts, all different kind of boat parts, and it was this massive warehouse. We all had our own little section that we organized and coordinated, and when shipments came in, we, we put it in its proper bins. But I went to this warehouse, and I didn't know any of these guys, and it's all these young guys. I don't know if you've ever been in an environment like this, but let me tell you, um, the, the words that are said and the way we talk about women is not the most respectful. It's not the most God-honoring. It's not the most politically correct. And so I walked into this environment, and, and 
the language and the, the derogatory comments about women and the things that were talked about were, were things that were really contrary to what I believed I was supposed to stand for. And so you know what I did? I walked in there, I said, listen everyone, I love Jesus. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I walked in there and I said, I walked in there and I, and I built relationships. I walked in there, I got to know the guys. I walked in there and I talked to them about their lives. And when they were engaging in conversations and jokes and talking about women and topics that I didn't believe I should be a part of, I'd walk away or I wouldn't engage. And it finally came to the point where they're like, dude, why are you always leave when we talk about this stuff? Why don't you talk the way we talk? Why don't you use the language we use? And then it, the rubber met the road and I had to finally say, well, the reason is because I, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I believe I'm called to live different. I'm a follower of Jesus and, and I don't talk about women that way because I respect women. I'm a follower of Jesus and, and I don't use that kind of language because I don't think it's honoring to my God. And I had to lay it out for them. And let me tell you, it was the first moment in my life where I felt rejected. These guys are like, dude, you're a square. You're weak. You're not living a life that, that's, you're having no fun. Like, what a boring person you are. And this is how they talk to me. And then after work, they'd all go hang out, and guess who wasn't invited? But I want to tell you something that happened. After a few months, one of the guys went through a hard situation in his family. A family member died, and guess who he came to? He didn't go to all the other guys. He came to me and said, Caleb, would you pray for me? I know you know God, and, and I need God to, to touch me in this situation. A few months later, another one of the guys came to me and said, I'm going through this with my girlfriend. Like, what do I do? You know, I messed up. What do I do? And, and they're asking advice of me. That's what I'm talking about. We build relationships, and there may be times we're rejected, but I also believe there'll be times when we're invited into conversations that we otherwise wouldn't be invited into because we're different, because we, we're set apart, because we stand apart, because we stand for something that matters. We go and we build relationships. And finally today, if we're going to fight for the loss that the band would make their way back up. We commit to disciple. We commit to disciple. Here's the problem in the church. I think the church has become a place that's committed to entertainment rather than committed to discipleship. We become committed to, to making people comfortable and consumers rather than committed to discipling people. And what did Jesus say? He challenges the disciples, he says, make disciples, baptizing them. And if you have not been baptized, next week you can step out and, and, and make a declaration, a public declaration of your faith. It's a symbol. We're going to give you an opportunity. We would love for you to engage in this. Why? Because Jesus commanded us to, it, to do it. He says, go and make disciples, all, all nations, baptizing them. And then the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says, teaching them, teaching them all that I have commanded you. You see, we... If we're going to fight for the lost, we have to commit to disciple, commit to teach, commit to speak the truth. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word. It says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. 1 Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope is that is in you. 
yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's what the Bible says. I think for too long the church has got caught up in, man, we're going to speak the truth. We're going to give them the truth. We're going to disciple people. If we're going to do that, we got to shove it down their throats. But the Bible tells us to share it with gentleness and respect. It says to do it with grace and truth. Because here's the problem. If we're all truth, we can crush people. And if we're all grace, we cannot challenge people. What we need to be is a church that's 100% grace and 100% truth meeting together to lead people into being fully devoted disciples of Him. All grace, all truth, come together. That's who we're called to be. We share the truth, but we do it with gentleness and respect. We share the truth, but we do it with the grace that's on us, that sets us apart. A grace that says, I love you just as you are. One thing we say at this church, and we've said it for a long time, is you don't have to believe to belong here. And I've had people really bothered by that statement. I've had people debate with me about that statement. Why do I say that? Why do we say that as a church? We say that because we want people to know God loves you right where you are. You don't have to look a certain way, act a certain way, dress a certain way, behave a certain way for God to love you. He loves you just as you are. You don't have to believe to belong here. You can belong even in your mess. But listen to me in this. We are not a church of behavior modification. We will be a church of heart transformation. God changes hearts, the behavior follows. The church has had it backwards for a long time. We call people out for the behavior. We're like, you need to be like this. You need to stop talking like that. You need to not dress like that. You need to act like this. Your Instagram should look different. I've seen your Insta stories. Y'all need to work on them. You know, like, change your behavior. No. We want to point people to the heart of God. God will change behavior, but it starts with the heart transformation. That's where it has to start. And some of us right now, our hearts are just beginning to be transformed by the love of God. And I want to tell you, you belong here even in your mess. You belong here even in your mistakes. You belong here even in your junk. You belong here if this is your first step on the journey to faith. You belong here. Why? Because God loves you. And we love you. But we will be committed to discipling, to sharing the truth with grace and love. So listen, my grandfather, he pastored for a long time and people used to talk to him. And people used to ask him because like he was this legend in, in church. Every church he touched grew. And people would ask him, what, what's the key to church growth? Like what's the key? How do you do it? And he would tell them, the same thing every time. He'd tell him, he'd say, work hard. Go. Go work hard. Get out there. Do something. Step out. Walk in faith. He said, work hard. And the second, he would say, here's the second key. is to support and give to missions. Those are his two keys. And I'm thankful that as a church, we fulfill the Great Commission where Jesus said, go and make disciples of just your nation. Go and make disciples of just Sacramento. No, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And we're a church that we give 10% of what comes in, we give it away to missionaries that are taking the gospel all around this world. We support now almost 20 missionaries that are taking the gospel all around the world. Why? Because that's the commission. 
That's the call. That's the church we're supposed to be. So I want to say to you right now, will you commit to fight for the lost? Will you put on the, the weapons? Will you, will you grab hold of the weapons that God has given you to fight for those that are far from God? Why are we doing this? Because there is a desperate world that is looking for a healthy church. A church that will say, we have the answer. We have the hope. We know the truth. We know the life. His name is Jesus, and we want to point you to him. Why? Because he loves you just how you are, right where you are, right at this moment. He loves you. We want to be that church. I love that we have a God. We serve a Savior that leaves the 99 for the one. He told a story Jesus did about sheep. He says, the good shepherd... He leaves the 99 to go for the one. And I'm thankful for that story because let me tell you, every one of you in this place, you were a one at one moment in your life. You were the one at one point in time. You were the one at one step in your journey. And God left the 99. He went after you. He pursued you. But somebody in this room, I believe, you're still that one. You've been running from God. You turned your back on God. Maybe you've never known God, but I share that there's a greatest story. It's a rescue story about a Savior, a shepherd named Jesus Christ that leaves the 99 to go after the one. And today is your day. He's pursued you to this moment, September 16th in the Crest Theater. He pursued you to right here so that you, the one, would come back to the flock and rejoin the 99. He loves you as you are. He loves you where you are. And today he wanted to speak life into you. Would you bow your heads with me across this place, church?